All right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, is anybody excited to be in the house today? Come on. Hey, listen, I know that we are in graduate uh, season. People are graduating from high school, some transferring and transitioning into the next stage of life, some careers, some college, and many people are also graduating college and going into their next step. And I would love for us as a church, because I know many are here who have graduated or we have uh, kids or people who are related to us that are in the graduation process. I would love for us together, man, just to invite God's presence into those decisions. As most of you know, man, life can be tricky. I believe that God has a plan and a purpose for every person on planet Earth, but sometimes we have to lean in and hear what he says over what everybody else says. And so I would love for us just to pray for our graduates. If you have somebody near you who's a graduate, man, you set your hand on their shoulder. But come on, will you all pray with me, Faith Church? Faith Church family in Lawrenceburg, will you pray with us, with the graduates up in Lawrenceburg? Father, we are so grateful, God, today for, God, the plans that you have for our life. And God, again, your word declares that those plans are good. But, Father, we have to walk in them for us to really experience them the way you have for us. And so, Father, we pray for all of our graduates, those from high school and those in college, God, taking the next step in their spiritual journey in their life. Father, we pray for our loved ones that, God, you would give them wisdom to know. Father, we pray that you would give them discernment to understand what the next step is. Father, you would give them the right direction at the right time to the right place. Father, we pray that, God, you wouldn't just promote them into jobs, but, Father, we pray, God, that you put them in kingdom positions where they can be people of influence on campuses. Father, where they can be people of influence in the business place. God, bless them with dreams and inspiration and ideas. Father, we pray, God, over all of our graduates that, God, you would use them strategically, that, God, your purpose would manifest in their life, and that, God, they'd bring great glory to you through it. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen. Awesome. Hey, thanks so much for that. Listen, again, I just want to say welcome. It's good to have all of you here. My name is Steve Husky, and I'm the lead pastor here at Faith Church. I want to welcome all of our VIPs. Again, if you're a first-time guest, thanks so much for being here. We never take it for granted. We are always thankful for all of the guests that show up here week after week. To all of our Faith Church family in Florence, good to have you guys here. Can we welcome our Faith Church family up in Lawrenceburg at our campus? Good to have you guys. All right, well, hey, listen, today we are starting a brand new series entitled Convictions. Convictions. Now, if you're saying I've never heard that word, it's because I made it up for this series. That's how committed I am as a communicator. If there's not a word in the dictionary that fits what I'm going to talk about, I'll make a word up. (laughs) Convictions comes from two words. Hopefully you can see it right away. Marrying the two words conviction and convenience. Conviction, I want you to think about it. All of us in this room, we all have different convictions in our life. A conviction is a firmly held belief, something that we deeply believe that we should do or believe or live. We all have convictions. However, that other word, convenience, convenience is this idea of living the easy life, taking the easy route. Basically, this idea of convictions is believing one thing but doing another. Now, I just want you to know, like, this, is, this idea of convictions, it's in every area of our life. If you think about it, we see convictions show up in our eating habits, right? Here we are heading into beach body season or not getting bigger swimming trunks season, whichever, wherever you're at, you know. And it's this idea, like, we're just convinced, like, hey, we have this conviction. We need to get in shape, and we just need to eat better. Maybe it's just keeping our sugar down. And so we're just going to eat better. So that's the conviction. We believe we need to eat healthy. However, then our family members take us to Yogurt Mountain, and convenience kicks in. 
I mean, it's just not even fair for someone to hand you a bucket and let you fill up whatever you want. I mean, that's a losing battle all day. Come on. Convictions. When you believe one thing and live another way. Conviction shows up in the idea of working out. Right? Statistics tell us that 90, uh, that the majority of gym equipment that people buy for their home is used one time and that's it. So we have this conviction, like I'm going to buy that and I'm going to get it and I'm going to get in shape and I'm going to do the five-minute ab crunch every day and we use it one time. Why? Because it's not convenient. Nobody wants to get up and work out. And people, uh, 78% of people who own memberships never use them. The gym takes your money and you never show up. Why? It's not because you don't think you should work out. You are convicted enough that you went to the gym, gym, signed up for the membership, but it's just not convenient. So again, it's this idea that all of us in this room, we live out of convictions. It shows up in our money habits, right? We believe we need to be better financial stewards. We tell ourselves we're going to give more, be more generous. We're going to get out of debt. We're going to be more strategic. We're going to lay more money aside for retirement. And then things go on sale. The new, the shiny, the upgrade shows up, and we have to have it. It's convenient to spend our money, even though we have a conviction we need to save our money. Convictions. This uh, literally happened to me just yesterday. I don't know if God did this or the devil, you decide, but gave me a really clear illustration of this. I live in a subdivision like many of you, and in my subdivision, we have dogs that run wild. I mean, I don't think Center Star knows what a dog chain is. I'm just not sure we need to do some infomercials out there. And so we have dogs, and the reason it's annoying is if you try to take a walk in our subdivision, these dogs will hound you and bark at you, and sometimes they're kind of intimidating, especially I hated it if my wife or my daughters were walking, and so it's just not fair. I don't like it. I don't like that they run wild, and I hate it worst of all when someone allows their dog to roam free, or this just happened a few weeks ago. I was sitting in my office. In my house, in my office, it's a front window out to the front street, and I'm sitting literally at my desk, I'm working on my laptop, and I see somebody walking their dog on a leash, and he stops in my front yard, and the dog takes a poo in my front yard. I was thinking of the right word, poo, is that the best word I can say? Nobody's going to get offended at that. I had other words, but I dropped the poo. And I was sitting there, and the guy could see me. Part of me wanted to go out and say something, but, you know, I need to love my neighbor, so I don't want to say anything. But I did mean mug them from the window, and they saw me. Just made sure they knew what's happening. It's not kosher. I'm not good with it, but I'm not going to say anything. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like these dogs running crazy, not on a leash, especially when they show up and handle their business in my yard. I don't like it. I have a conviction that people need to handle their animals. However, this doesn't happen very often. Uh, I'm not a dog-walking type. But my family recently came into a puppy. Even though I said no, evidently I have no veto power anymore in my home. And so my wife is currently in Ohio because we have some graduations. And so my wife was going to take the puppy with her. And so I thought I would be a great husband. And so I took the puppy on about a three-mile walk yesterday to wear the puppy out for the 10-hour car ride up to Ohio. So I'm walking this dog on the leash, and we're on the last leg of the journey, and he runs right over to the yard, and before I can pull him away, he handles his business right in this person's front yard. Now, even though I have a conviction that's wrong, it was not convenient for me to do anything about it. I haven't thought, should I drive home and get something and come back? And I didn't. You know why? Because it wasn't convenient. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Everybody say convictions. Convictions. We all have convictions, strongly held beliefs that oftentimes we don't walk out, we don't live out because it's not convenient. There is no place the convictions shows up 
more apparent, more strongly than in our relationship with God. And so through this series, we're going to talk about several areas where convictions shows up. In fact, it's this, uh, this story I heard about this, um, this couple who had decided to take a romantic picnic afternoon together. They were going to go out into the woods, into this private place, have an intimate time together, um, a little picnic on a blanket. And so on their way to the woods, they stopped at a KFC, ordered a bucket of chicken, I imagine a few biscuits, and got into their car and drove out to the woods, and they grabbed their blanket, got out and found this quiet, intimate spot where no one would see them, laid out the blanket, got out their lunch, opened the bucket of chicken, only to behold, it wasn't filled with wings, legs, and thighs. Oh, my. It was filled with cash. Someone had mistakenly given this couple the night deposit from the night before. There was about $10,000 in cash in this bucket. Finger looking good, baby. Now, what would you do if you opened up a bucket of KFC and it had $10,000 in cash in it? Most of you would think the Lord had blessed you. He didn't. It's a test and some of you are failing. This couple realizes it's not right. We can't keep this money doesn't belong to us. It's not right for us to keep it. We are people of character and integrity. We have to take this money back. And so they packed up their stuff, went back in the car, drove back to the KFC restaurant, walked in and told the manager, hey, we ordered this, and you all gave us the night deposit, and we wanted to return it. The manager was astounded, shocked. Who would return $10,000 in cash? There was no way that would have ever been tracked. There's no way they would have ever been caught. They could have easily gotten away with it. And so the manager was so astounded, he thought the right thing to do was to call the local news media to come down and capture the story that all the community could know that there are still good people alive. And so the the couple's like, no, 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 we don't want to do that. We don't want any, please don't call. And the manager was so persistent to call somebody down that there came like this, this argument until finally the couple had to admit, listen, the reason we don't want you to call the local media is because this woman's not my wife. And I'm not her husband. And we don't want it to get out. Come on, everybody say convictions. We're convicted enough that we can't keep the money, but we're not so convicted we can't sleep with people that aren't our spouse. Come on. Convictions, convictions. And so for the next several weeks, we're going to talk about where conviction shows up in our life and how it manifests. And I just want you to know today that I'm not throwing stones. This is not your preacher pointing a finger of hypocrisy at you like you need to get it together. Hypocrisy shows up in all of our lives. Convictions finds its way through. The goal is to recognize it and live different. Like, let's talk about Netflix for a minute. Can we talk about Netflix? I'm not sure if Netflix is from the devil or from God. Listen, when you can watch a show with no commercials and it automatically starts the next episode, that seems like Jesus to me. <laughs> However, there's a lot of stuff probably we shouldn't be watching. Now, let me just talk for me. I'm, literally, I mean this just for me. Typically, I have a, a fairly high to medium standard of what I watch. Just for years, I just, uh, we don't watch a lot of rated R stuff. If we see something that looks good and it's rated R, we just typically don't go watch it. We don't go see it. But man, every now and then, there's like a really great series that everybody's talking about. And I know it's rated R, and man, it's got stuff, and I'm like, man, I'm not watching it. But man, that looks good. And I'll watch one episode, but after that, I'm out. But man, I can fast forward those other parts. Come on, somebody know what I'm talking about? Next thing I know, I'm five episodes in. I got to finish it. 
Oh, y'all getting real quiet on me. Convictions. Convictions. We have convictions. We have standards. We have beliefs. But we don't walk them out We don't because it's not convenient. It's easier to do the easy thing. It's easier to do the effortless thing. And somewhere along the line, God has called us to be people of character and integrity that what we believe lines up with how we behave. And so I want to make sure that I invite you back. Lawrenceburg, make sure you're back for the next three weeks after today to catch the rest of this series. But today, I just want to kind of lay the foundation of where this whole thing begins. Because at the end of the day, everything that this is all about is about knowing God. Salvation, spirituality, your spiritual journey, it's all about knowing God. Everybody say knowing God. That's what this whole thing is for, knowing God. Coming to church is about knowing God, reading your Bible, praying, everything we do. Ultimately, even going to heaven itself is all about knowing God. Here's what's crazy is when, when Jesus talked about us connecting with our creator, he used relationship language. He used relationship language. It was, it was odd for the time because People thought that God was transcendent, that God was up there and we're down here, that he's way higher than nobody can know him. And Jesus comes along and he starts using terminology like heavenly father. That while he is God, he is, he is our heavenly father. And we can have a relationship with him and know him. And so Jesus uses a very specific word when he calls people, every person, every person here, God calls us to know God. And this is such a big deal because when Jesus called us, he didn't call us to, to be more religious or to do more good deeds. What he called all of us to is to know God more intimately. And somewhere along the way, we have forgotten that and forsaken that, and we've turned to rules and religion and stuff, and Jesus keeps calling us back to know God. Now, I know probably for a lot of us in this room, a lot of us in Lawrenceburg, you probably right away say, hey, pastor, I know God, I'm good, and you're going to check out from the rest of this message, and I want to encourage all of you, don't, don't lean back, I want you to lean in. I know you're here, and you might say, hey, pastor, there was a time, I've already prayed the prayer, I grew up in church, I came up in Sunday school, like, I know God. Before you check out, for all of us in this room, because I think there's lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of people in church that know about God, but they don't really know God. And this is what Jesus calls us to. He says, I want, you to, I want you to know. I want you to know God. In fact, he uses this word, and for all of you that have been in church for a while, you know every now and then a preacher like me will get up on a platform like this, and we'll talk about Greek words and Hebrew words. And the reason is, is because the Bible, the Old Testament, was originally written in the Hebrew language. And since you don't read Hebrew... We have an English translation, and the New Testament was written in Greek, but we have an English translation. The problem is there's no language that translates specifically or accurately from one language to another. So in order sometimes to really understand the text, to understand what's being said, we have to go back to the original language to really mine out the meaning, to really get into what's being said. For example, like this word love, everybody say love. Is there a better word in the dictionary? This word love, we have one word in the English language, and it's the word love, and we use it for everything, right? Like, there's lots of things I love. I love Chipotle. I'm confused why y'all thought that was funny. I'm, 
You guys have me really feeling self-conscious right now. <laughs> I love Chipotle. I love my laptop. I'm a Mac guy. I'd be lost without. I love my MacBook. I love my friends. I love my wife. I love God. But I want you to notice in the English language, it sounds like that I think the same about Chipotle as I do about God. That I think, I think the same about my laptop as I do my wife. If my wife even thought I loved my laptop as much as her, she would punch me in the throat. There are varying levels of love that the English language cannot capture. The Greek language captures it really well. There are different words in the Greek language that lets us know about love. There's some love, for example, phileo love. It's friendship love. Does anybody here have a friend they love? Friendship love, phileo. There's storhe love. That's family love. When you love your family. There's eros love, erotic love. There's the best kind of love. It's agape love. Agape love is the love that God has for you and I, and it means he loves us all the way, all the time, unconditionally. I don't know about you. I would be glad to be a friend of God. I'd be glad to be in the family of God. But the best news is he loves me most of all. He loves you most of all. He says, I agape you. I love you all the way, all the time, unconditionally, in spite of who you are, where you've been, and what you've done. Is anybody thankful for that kind of love? So again, you can only understand that or appreciate that when you dig into the text and understand the word in the background. The same thing is true for the call that Jesus puts on all of us to come and to know God. He uses this Greek word. The Greek word is gnosko. Gnosko, the word basically means this. It's not to know a thing or to know a fact. The word is to know someone intimately, to know someone intimately, that God wants you and I to know him Intimately, it's the same word in that time if a, if a man was in the marketplace talking about his wife to another man, not that we do that, in order to keep from being, you know, really too brash, he would talk about the relation that he had with his wife as gnosko, intimacy. So men, if you all want to be godly husbands, go to your wife and say, hey, baby, you want to get gnosko? <laughs> She'll want to watch a movie with you. That's not what we meant at all. Gnosko, to know intimately, it's what God wants. God doesn't want you to know things about him. He wants you to know him personally. He invites us into a relationship. He invites us out of religion and into a relationship where we can know him intimately. God is a person to know relationally, not a fact to know intellectually. Lots of people know facts and know scriptures, and they've read their Bible, and they've prayed prayers. The question isn't, what do you know about God? It's, do you know him relationally? Are you in a relationship with him? God is not a thing. He's not an object. He is not something. He is a person. And the only thing you can really have with a person is a relationship. And God invites us to know him relationally, intimately. Do you have that kind of relationship with God? Because I know you can be in church your whole life and never know this and just feel like, hey, I'm going through the motions. I'm showing up. I'm going to church. What else does God want? God wants to know you intimately. And he invites us into a relationship to know him intimately. In fact, he makes this really clear in Matthew chapter 7. If you have your Bibles, you can check this out. If not, it's up on the Jumbotron. Here's what Jesus said. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Now, I want you to notice 
basically where Jesus starts. The culture we live in is offended because Christians claim that Christianity, that going to heaven is exclusive to Jesus. And while that might offend some people, I want you to know that Jesus was very much exclusive. I want you to notice that he starts this statement by saying, not everyone, not everybody's in, not everybody's going, not everybody's going to make it. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, some of you ought to be getting nervous because you're like, that's exactly what I did, Pastor. In fact, you told me to bow my head and pray the prayer, Lord, come into my life. I cried out, Lord, Lord. Prayers are important, but what's more important than prayer, what trumps prayer is us knowing God intimately. He goes on, he says this, watch, he says, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord. He goes on, he talks about judgment day. Go ahead, next verse. He says, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. We prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, perform many miracles in your name. Watch this. He says, but I will reply. Everybody here read it. I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. He's saying there's going to be people in eternity that stand before God and say, hey, we prayed the prayer. I called you, Lord, and I didn't just pray the prayer, but I did the stuff. Like I read my Bible, I went to church, I gave in the offering, I served on the parking lot team. Like I did the stuff, like I worked miracles, I prophesied. Like God, we did all the stuff. And God's saying, I don't, want, I don't want to know what you did for me. I want to know, do you know me? Do you know me? Because you can go through the rituals and not go know God. You can show up in church every week and not know God. You can pray prayers at dinner and before you go to sleep and not know God. You can put money in a bucket. You can be nice to your neighbor. You can do all kinds of good deeds and not know God. And what we are called to, it's not that we're not called to be good people. It's not that we're not called to a standard of righteous living. But the foundation of what we are called to is a relationship with God. Do you, Gnosko, do you know him? intimately because that's a whole another thing in fact jesus said this mark chapter 7 verse 6 he says these people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me like he's saying there there's people saying all the right stuff if all you did was listen was listen to him he's saying like there's people that they say all the right stuff they go through all the right motions but their their hearts their heart isn't connected to me it's the difference between intellectual knowledge and relationship connection. And it's not that God doesn't want us to know, it, know about him. God wants us to know him personally. And here's the great thing is the fact that he wants us to know him means you can know him. You can and I can have a relationship. Imagine this. We can have a relationship with the creator of the universe because of Jesus. And that's what it's all about. Do you know him? I think churches today are like sometimes moviegoers. Anybody like going to the movies? Like, man, every time you go, there's all kind of different levels of people in the theater, different levels of commitment, especially if you go to a, if you go to a Star Wars movie or an Avengers movie. Come on, there's going to be some varied levels of commitment in the theater. Like some people go to the movies just because, hey, everybody else is going, I'm going to go too. Just like church people. They don't really want to go, but their friends are going, their family's going, so they kind of tag along. Then there's some people that like really like the movie. They're not really into everything else, but they're just really into the movie, and so they'll show up. Some people are just really into faith church. You really like the music here. You really like different parts. You like, <laughs> you like the coffee bar, so you show up on a regular basis. 
Then there's the next level sold out people that move. And every time I go, I love it. I love the people. Some of you might think they're, they're a little bit different. The people that dress up. Oh, come on. I love seeing people show up in a Darth Vader mask and a lightsaber. We went to the last, last year, went to the last uh, Star Wars movie. And the person was dressed, not just dressed up when they ordered. I don't even know the, 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 uh, the character's name, but he had the voice. With the red, what's the, with the red stuff shooting out of the side? Like he ordered with the voice. I'm like, that cat is committed. He's sold out. But here's the thing, like you think about all the different level of people sitting in a movie theater and it's a lot like church. A lot of you are here with different levels of commitment to show up and sit in a crowd and listen. But here's what you need to know is every person sitting in that theater, they might know about the character, they might even know about the actor, but there's probably no one sitting in a theater that knows those actors or actresses personally. God doesn't want you to sit up, show up, sit down, hear a message, and gain more information. God invites us to know him personally. Take off the garb and get into a relationship with Jesus. He died for you not, to, not just to show up and get information, but to have a relationship, to know him. Do you gnosko him? Come on. If you're taking notes, becoming a Christian is not increasing your information about God, but increasing your intimacy with God. Totally different things. And you can go your whole life in church and never know that there's a difference. But I want to ask the question, do you know him? Are you in a relationship with him? Here's the crazy thing. I don't know if you caught this. Again, Jesus calls us to, to know him. But I don't know if you caught it in the verse we read earlier. Jesus said, depart from me. Watch this. Depart from me because I never knew you. He doesn't say you never knew me. He said, I never knew you. Did you all see that? He says that same phrase five times in the New Testament. Depart from me, I never knew you. Now, here's what's crazy. Watch, watch. What's crazy about that is, is that Jesus knows everything. Jesus is God in the flesh, and he's, God is omniscient, which means God knows everything. How could Jesus, who knows everything, not know people? Because that's what he says. He says, I, I never knew you. When you read about Jesus, he says things like this. It'll freak you out. Like people are in conversations and they're, they're talking behind Jesus' back. Like Jesus can't hear the conversation, but because he's God and he's omniscient, he knows. And the Bible will say things like this. And he knew their thoughts. He knew their hearts. Jesus knows how many hairs are on each of your heads. Like he knows everything. He is omniscient. But then he says... There's going to be people that stand before me in judgment, and I'm going to say to them, to them, depart from me. I never knew you. Here's what he's saying. He's saying he has all the statistical data on your life. He knows every thought, every deed, every word, every action of your entire life. He knows you statistically. He knows you mentally. You know what he's saying? He's saying, depart from me. I never gnosko. I don't know you intimately. And you don't know me intimately. So what Jesus wants, he's not just saying, hey, come and know me. He's saying, like, I, I want to I get to know you. God, don't you already know me? God's like, I, I know your thoughts. I know your deeds. I know your actions. But, like, I want a relationship with you. This thing, Christianity, is not a better way of living. It's not a higher form of finding out how to do good deeds. It's not being a better human being. 
It's about going back to the purpose why every one of us was created, and you find it in the garden that God created you and I to be in a relationship with our creator. And there's way too many of us that are switching out relationship for religion. We're switching out knowing God for following rules, and it's not the same thing. We will be a better person if we follow, but it starts with the foundation of knowing God. Do you know him? You find this theme everywhere you look in the New Testament, it starts to pop up. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3, watch. He said, but the person who loves God is the one whom God recognizes, gnosko. God says, the people who love me, those are the ones that I know intimately. Not the ones who show up in church, not the ones who keep rules. The ones who love me, those are the ones that I know. Paul says something similar in Galatians 4, 9, I love this. He says, so now that you know God, now that you gnosko him, or should I say now that God knows you, because you can't have one without the other. When you start a relationship, it's just like a relationship with any other person. That relationship develops and grows in intimacy. But the foundation is called to know God. I want to look at one more section, John chapter 10. John chapter 10. I want you to listen to what Jesus says. He says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and they know me. Y'all want to take a guess what these words are? Gnosko. I relationally, personally, and intimately know my followers, and they relationally, intimately, and personally know me too. And then he says this, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. Watch this. And no one can snatch them away from me. The next verse, he says, no one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I love, look at that picture. Isn't that cool? God says, not when you're a rule keeper or when you're a churchgoer, but when you're in a relationship with your creator, he says you're seated in his hand. He's saying, and man, no matter what comes your way, no matter what spiritual attack you're under, no matter what fight you're in, no matter what, what turn your journey takes, he's saying nobody can ever snatch you out of the Father's hands. Man, that's awesome. My, my kids, as a dad, I don't keep much cash because when I have cash, they always come and ask for it, and I'm always caught in a conflict of conviction. Should I lie or give them some? Or tell them no. It's all bad options, so I just don't keep much cash. But every now and then I have some, some cash. I've been doing this with my kids since they're little. And they say I have cash. Like, they always think they have a right to have some of it. Like, Dad, give me some. I'm like, I don't remember you punching a clock. I don't recall. <laughs> but I'll do this thing. I've been doing it. And this has nothing to do with the message. It's just funny. So, I, I, like, I'll take the money and I'll, I'll say, if you, can, if you can guess how much is here, I'll give it to you. And so, like, they're like, let me see it. Like, I'll flash it in front of them real quick. And then they'll guess. And like they never have gotten it right. And so I wrestle, I think sometimes like what, if they get it right, would I give them the money or lie and say they didn't get it right? <laughs> Convictions, it's everywhere you go. But, his, but when they were real young, sometimes they would say, dad, give me some money. And I would tell them, if you can get it out of my hand, I'll give it to you, right? Anybody, anybody ever do it? If not, do it. Torment your kids is awesome. And I'd stick the money in. And there's no way. They're not strong enough to open my hand. And, man, they will fight and pry. And sometimes I'll start opening it like they're getting it open. I'll close it back up. <laughs> I'm just telling you, listen. See, the reason some of you don't have this assurance is because you know some facts about God. The reason you don't feel this kind of security is because you have information about God. You got a, you got a checklist you mark. I, I prayed. I went to church, gave in the bucket, served on a team. God says, no, no, that's, 
That's all nice. Not what did you do for me? Do you know me? We're not called to be more religious. We're not called to do more good deeds. Our calling that came from our creator of why you were created was to know him more intimate. And, and when you're that, he says, you know what? He says, then you're in my hand and nothing, nothing can snatch you out. See, some of you think you're holding on to God. You're not holding on to God. You're not strong enough to hold on to him. But he's holding on to you. And nothing is strong enough to break his grip on your life. Come on, is anybody here thankful for that today? So let me, let me try to wind this up again because you're saying, Pastor, so I prayed the prayer. You're telling me that's not enough. I'm, I'm, I'm saying like that's, that's an on-ramp. But it's, again, it's intimacy. It's knowing God. And so I want you to see this, this, uh, this little picture I had our team create for us. It'll give you an idea. And the point in, in watching this is it just, it just keeps cycling through. And my challenge for you today is just get on somewhere. Just step on the on-ramp somewhere. For many of us, it starts with this idea of faith. Faith, believing in God, ultimately means that, that we believe that Jesus is the Son of God we believe that the Father sent him on a rescue mission to die for the sin of all humanity. That through dying on the cross and raising from the dead, that through that we have forgiveness for our sin and we are able to be reconnected with our creator. That's faith. You can start there in your journey. Faith will lead to following. In fact, the first disciples, they were followers. You find it over and over and over again. Andrew followed Jesus. Andrew went and got his brother Philip. We see John, early in the book of John, John followed. Like all of these disciples, the Bible says that Jesus said, just come and follow me. He didn't say you have to believe anything yet. He didn't say you have to change any behavior. Just come and follow me. Do you know why he invited people to follow? Because he was convinced that if people spent enough time with him, they would be convinced who he is, and they would ultimately continue to follow him and put more faith in him. And so some of you, I would just challenge you, if you're here and you're not ready to go all in yet, that's okay. Just start following Examine the claims of Jesus. Just, just, just go enough in that you can really commit to following your life for a while. And I believe with all of my heart, you will be convinced that he is who he said he is, and you will experience the life change that he came to bring. But if you follow long enough like anybody else, if you spend enough time with somebody, you get to know them more, right? It's just like a relationship, a marriage. The more time I've spent with my wife, the better I know her. And the more I know her, and the more you know Jesus, the more you'll love him. You can't help it. The more you know about who he is, why he did what he did, why he does the things he does, the more you fall in love with him. And the more you fall in love with God, the more you fall in love with who he is, the more you have faith in him. When you go through hard times, difficult times, challenging times, God, I love you. I've been teaching my son this week, God is good. Not when life is good, God is good in spite of life. So here's what I want you to see is you can jump on here anywhere you want. But if you'll start with faith, if you'll just put your trust in God, eventually you'll start following. And the more you follow, the more you're going to know him. And the more you know him, the more you're going to love him. And the more you love him, you're going to have faith. Just jump on board anywhere. But just stop sitting in church, taking notes, and leaving unchanged. It is an invitation to know him relationally. And that will change you forever. Forever. And you'll know it when it happens. I promise you. I went to church for, my wife and I, we started, I asked her, ask her to be my girlfriend. October 31st, 1988. Best decision of her life, she said yes. 
I'm telling you, it worked out for her. I mean, I can't argue with truth. <laughs> and immediately, I, I had to go to church with her, start going to church. It's November, December, January, February, March. I went to church five months. My, my, my girlfriend, Shauna, at that time, hardcore, like Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Like some of you are like Sunday morning, skip a few, Sunday morning. Skip like if Sunday morning. Anybody remember that? Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Good Lord. I've been delivered. I've been delivered. <laughs> and I went to three services every week for five months. And I checked the box. I started putting money in the plate. And started reading my Bible some. But I didn't know him. And I got on the on-ramp through faith. And I started following. And the more I followed him in 25 years, the more I know him. And the more I know him, the more I love him. And that's what this thing is all about. So I want to ask the question, do you know him? Do you know him? Not know about him. Do you know him? John 6, 29, this is the only thing. This is where it all starts. This is the only thing God requires. Every voice here, will you read it with me? Lawrenceburg, will you read this verse out loud? Jesus told them, this is the only work that God wants from you, to believe in the one that he has sent. That's it. Just say, say, God, I trust you. I put all of my hope in you. And so I just want to issue the challenge this morning as we close week one of convictions. If you're here and you're checking boxes and showing up and doing religion and following rules, those are all good things. But the thing that matters the most and the reason Jesus came and what sets it all off to make it all matter is knowing him intimately, to have a personal relationship with God. So will you all bow your heads and your hearts with me? Father, I'm so grateful that you've made it possible to know you. Not just to know facts and not just to know details, but to know you, to know the creator of the universe intimately, to have an ongoing, growing relationship with you where we get to know you more and you get to know us more. And God, that's what it's about. And Lord, I know some of us in this room, we've missed it. We've been following the wrong road. We've been keeping the wrong set of rules. And so, Father, I pray that every person in this room, God, some of you in this room, you've never made this decision. You can be honest enough here today to say, man, I've been going to church, but I'm not in a relationship with God. I know about God, but I don't know God personally. Man, today is your day to take that step, to make the decision, to step in a relationship, to know him personally. And I I just want to challenge you. Listen, man, this is it. I, I don't have any other, I don't have anything else to give you. It all starts here. It all starts with the relationship. Everything else is empty. And so if you've never said yes, or you're just here, man, and it's been a long time, maybe you were in a relationship and, man, somewhere along the line, life hijacked you. And now you're just checking boxes and keeping rules. Some of you be honest enough to say, my relationship is not where it used to be. It's not where it needs to be. All across this room, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I need a, I need a stronger relationship with the Lord. If that's you, I want you to lift a hand real high. I need a stronger relationship with the Lord. Come on. Come on. If you're not, if you're not digging in, this is a chance. Come on, lift a hand. I, I need a stronger relationship, more intimate relationship with the Lord. So, Father, I, I know you see every hand, every heart. You already know us. But I pray that you would help us, God, to take a step towards you in intimacy and in relationship. 
Father, I know you'll meet us. You said we'll find you if we seek after you with all of our heart. I'm going to close with one last prayer. If you're here and you've never taken that first step, you've never gotten on the on-ramp of relationship just through simply putting your faith in Jesus. I'm going to pray a prayer. You can pray it my way. You can pray it your way. But if you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you've never asked him to forgive you, that's where it starts. The Bible says we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. And it's our sin that disconnects us from our Savior. But Jesus came to reconnect us to our Creator, to make a way by dying for our sin so we can be forgiven. And so some of you here this morning need to take that step. And so I'm going to close in prayer. If you've never done that this morning, you want to put your trust in Jesus, you want to believe in him, then you pray after me or pray your own way. Jesus, I thank you that the Father sent you on a rescue mission for me, that in my sin, you love me anyways. I believe you died on the cross for me and you rose from the dead. And because you live, I live. I put all of my hope in you. Help me from this day forward to follow you, to know you, and to be in a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed, said amen. Come on, can we honor the Lord today? Hey, God bless you guys, man. Be back next week for week two of Convictions. As a church, it's our honor to...